0: Hey, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So to celebrate the holidays, I want to do a giveaway for all of you. So if you go to kathyheller.com slash giveaway, it will take you to all the details. It's so simple. I'm giving away an MZ Wallace beautiful backpack and this isn't because they're sponsoring this, although that would probably be a good idea for me to reach out to them ahead of time, but I'm just buying you uh whoever wins this beautiful backpack because it's so cool and it's something I would buy for myself. I'm also giving away a pair of Zadig and Voltaire sneakers. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is subscribe to this podcast and share one of my reels or one of my Instagram videos. Uh, on your Instagram stories. Super simple, uh, takes a second, costs nothing. Um, you can find out more details at kathyhocom slash giveaway, and I'll be choosing um, some winners very soon. Well, today we have an incredible soul joining us. His name is Diego Perez, but some of you might know him as Young Pueblo. He's a writer, a poet, a meditator, a New York Times bestselling author, and he also has just a huge community on Instagram. He's written two amazing books, including Inward, a collection of poetry and prose that explores the movement from self-love to unconditional love, the power of letting go, and the wisdom that comes when we truly try to know ourselves. And earlier this year, he released another book called Clarity and Connection, which is his poetry and short prose that focuses on how past wounds impact our present relationships and how we can better understand our feelings and reactions. They're both such beautiful books, so definitely check it out. Diego has such deep insight about meditation and creating space to be with yourself. He's experienced how that can lead to healing and inner peace. And I love that he's made it his mission to spread this kind of wisdom with the world. I'm so grateful that he came here and he was just so present and he shared his beautiful open heart with us. This conversation goes everywhere from dealing with the battle in your mind to growing an audience on social media. We even get into the origins of meditation and the practice of being quiet with yourself. It's really a fascinating conversation and I'm so happy you get to hear it. So without further ado, please welcome the phenomenal Diego Perez. Diego, thank you so much for making time in your beautifully purpose-driven days to stop and, and do this show.
1: Yeah, totally. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited to talk.
0: Me too. I want to just dive in and find out a little bit about your journey because you you have such an incredible way of, of really putting words to the human experience that I think we can all really identify and and feel as though when we hear you speak and when we read what you write, we feel seen. And in order for you to do that, there must have been a soul journey that you went on to sort of go through that portal to really coming and dropping into truth. And I want to hear like, how did you find yourself in that self-discovery journey?
1: Well, it was, it took a while, you know, cause it, it was like a pretty step-by-step process where first I had to realize that I had all these really knotted up patterns inside of my mind that were just really making me behave in ways that were unhealthy towards my mind unhealthy towards my body. And I think I, you know, my life could have ended pretty early if I hadn't mm. dealt with what was happening inside me. I had developed really nasty habits with drugs, was partying way too much and, um, I kind of just came to a pretty big crash in the summer of 2011. And it kind of started all from there where I recognized like, okay, I need to change the way I'm living my life or else um, this is, you know, this will all end terribly wrong. Wow! I think from, from there, I kind of just started um, building new habits, you know, not doing serious drugs. And then just over time, you know, I started feeling better, but the big change came when a friend of mine told me about uh, Vipassana meditation. And I did my first course. And that was like the real kind of opener to the fact that, you know, there was more inside of me than what I thought. And also I started feeling this like new growing aspiration to write, but it took a few years for me to realize like I should really put time into writing, but what really kicked it all off was just focusing on my healing.
0: Thank you for, um, being so vulnerable. And I know you've done that so many times, so that's not new for you, but it's an awesome thing that you can do that. Let's talk about what happened to you on that first Vipassana experience. What happened? Sure. What, did, what did you become aware of? Um, I became aware
1: of my pretty intense reaction to discomfort. Like I would react so negatively, so full of aversion to any discomfort that I would, that I would feel. And then that totally, you know, goes alongside with what was happening to me before I did the Vipassana course, when I was building all these bad habits, because I just didn't want to like feel any difficult emotions. I I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to like be with my own internal turbulence, but that's what caused so much of the problems was that I was avoiding myself. So being able to see that like play out in the 10 day course, it was quite powerful because it helped me build a new relationship with all of these tough sensations in my body so that I would just react less to them. And the other thing I really noticed was um, my poor relationship with change, right? Like change is such a fundamental aspect of our universe and of just life in general. And if we're able to embrace change a little more, we'll actually struggle less. And um, I think that was like just a big game changer, but the course was so incredibly difficult for me personally. Um, it was such a struggle, but, um, it was, you know, the best struggle that I ever went through because I still, you know, I go back to this day and do a few courses a year and, um, I just get so much from it, you know, the taking steps forward and the the healing and the liberation continue.
0: Yeah. That is so clear. And so well said, I feel like everybody can relate to that. Like I said, before you do a really good job of taking us on the journey with you. And I personally can relate. I remember my first meditation retreat, I I felt this feeling, I can only explain it like sunburn all over my body. Like I I couldn't be in my own skin. I was coming Mm -hmm. (laughs) out of my skin and I couldn't believe, I really couldn't believe how much anxiety was caused just sitting still. Yeah, yeah. And the more you have that experience, you really come to learn how to make space to love those parts of you that are just really resisting showing up in the moment. And so take us through what can we learn as we're you know listening. Some of us haven't gone a few times a year on mm-hmm, these 10 day mm-hmm. journeys. So what might be some of those uncomfortable feelings and what might be some of the ways to welcome them to the table and make space for them and, and learn that we can actually sustain that and tolerate that?
1: I mean, one of the key things, you know, even before I started meditating, that really helped even, pre- I think in a lot of ways, helped prepare me to be able to um, tolerate such a serious process was challenging myself to sit with uncomfortable emotions. And I didn't have a solution. I didn't have a practice just to be with whatever was arising in that moment. Um, I felt like intuitively like that's what I needed to do because I found that what had gotten me into so such a difficult situation mentally was that constant pattern of avoidance, I'm constantly running away, constantly seeking pleasure, constantly seeking distraction. So like I thought, you know, the answer is in the opposite of that is like, let me just like feel this sadness. Let me just feel this anxiety and learning to just be with it. I think actually took a lot of power away from those emotions and actually, uh, you know, created space for a lot of healing. So I think being with yourself and that's like a tricky thing, right? Being with yourself, not in the sense of like fueling the emotions that you're having. It's like, no, 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 just be with it without feeding the fire, right? Like don't become the emotion just watch it. Um, I think that can make a huge difference in people's lives. And the other thing too, is like, I'm glad that I ended up hearing about this technique in particular, because um, the Vipassana taught by S.N. Goenka, because it just like, it was what I needed. You know, I think a lot of times when people go into personal growth, they try to reinvent the wheel and they like, want to like, figure out like, you know, what is it that I can do? Or what is it that I, how can I set things up? But actually a lot of amazing things have already been developed And you just need to go out there and find something that meets your conditioning where it's at, whether that's finding a really good therapist, like doing some journaling or, you know, finding one type of meditation or another, um, something that suits you, I think just makes the whole process much more efficient. So like, if, you know, if anyone's hearing this, like, and you don't have a practice, go find one, you know, there's so much out there.
0: There's so much out there. It's incredible. I mean, think about where we were as a society 30 years ago. You know, there weren't all these apps. You can now find John Kabat-Zinn and Tara Brock Mm -hmm. and Sarah Mm -hmm. Blondin and you. And there's like whatever flavor of ice cream you like, like they have that equivalent for all kinds of practices to help you self-soothe and self-regulate. And John Kabat-Zinn has a great expression, which is you can't stop the waves, but you can learn to surf. Yep. Yep. And what you said about just being with it, mm-hmm. but not fueling the fire. And I yeah. want you to talk about that more because I think that we really have an incredible capacity to be with what is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but when we're in the thoughts, we're actually still avoiding, right? The more you're in your thought, in your thought, in your thought, in your thought, and you're just like, that is fueling the fire. And that's not really sitting with what is. Sitting with what is, is Allowing the feeling, right? Just that mm-hmm. feeling of it. Is it grief? Is it sadness? Is it pain? Is it overwhelm? Is it joy? Is it shame? What, what what's coming through? Mm-hmm. What we often do, and I perceive this in myself and in other people, is just like the more of the story, the narrative, which I think is really hard to be with that because it doesn't actually exist. It's just a story that just keeps getting worse and worse. But I don't know that people necessarily understand that. So sometimes when people say, "Just sit with it." they mm-hmm, just go up mm-hmm. in flames because that they think that that's an opportunity to just literally sit down and allow and, their and mind
1: doing it yeah
0: <laughs> yeah and it's really not about the mind can you explain what what that looks like what that feels like so we maybe could get access to that
1: yeah i think um there's two components that kind of stand out like one is you're being with it as long as you're not letting it control your actions right and that and that actions includes like If you start sort of stewing in the narrative, like you were just mentioning, if you're just like, you know, going wild with the stories, then yeah, you're just adding more anxiety to the anxiety. And the other part of it is like at the intellectual level, right? Like everything's impermanent. So if you understand that this is an impermanent phenomenon, you know, even if you're not like meditating or anything like that, you're just like, oh, right. Like I feel pretty crappy right now, but this isn't going to last forever because I actually didn't feel crappy yesterday. So how long is this really going to last know yeah, for a few hours, maybe a few days, but it changes just like everything else. Like there's literally, there has never been in the history of the universe, a storm that has lasted forever. So this one also is not going to last forever. I think that understanding of impermanence alone, like literally peace itself is built on the embrace of impermanence. So the more deeply you can embrace it, the more you're going to be able to do that surfing that you were mentioning earlier, surfing the waves but I think it's being with it without um, letting it control you without letting it fully be with the narrative. And I think you can also be with it and have your attention on it without being like totally consumed by it. So it's really, it's about finding a middle path where you're like, okay, I feel this anxiety and this sadness and I'm spending part of my attention sitting with it, but I'm also still moving through my day. I'm also still, you know, taking care of the tasks I need to take care of, And maybe in this day, I'm moving a little more gently and being kinder to myself and I'm decreasing the amount of things that I need to take care of, but I'm also still living. I think that can be quite helpful because like there there is an important balance there because you don't want to just like, I don't know, make things rougher for yourself.
0: Yeah. And that is really so powerful to sit with that truth that this too shall pass, right? Mm -hmm. The happy moments pass, Mm -hmm. sad ones too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's critical to understand both, right? Like I think understanding that happy moments pass, like that one is clutch. You know, if you really Mm
2: -hmm.
1: are able to embrace that truth, then not only is it going to make you more present for when good things are happening, you're going to be able to enjoy them in a much more selfless way so that you're not so attached and you're like, oh, I have to replicate this over and over and over again. It's like, no, it's here right now. Let me be here. And when it's gone, okay, it's gone, you know, and I can um, at the very least be grateful that I was able to be present for the good things while they were here, because there's a lot of people who, even though everything they were craving has appeared, they're still like their mind is already focused on what's missing. And that's tough. That's a hard way to live.
0: That is a hard way to live. That's for sure in the platform you've created, you you have touched so many lives. I mean, it's, it's really powerful. What are some of the biggest repeating pain points for your readers, for your Mm. audience? What do you see as either the main thing or a couple of the main things that come up for people?
1: Um, That's a great question. I think one thing that always kind of surprises me is that There's a pretty constant shift between things being pretty good and things going a little harder or like being a little more difficult for people so that within every week, like whenever I post a story or a piece about being with tough moments, handling tough moments, or even just recognizing that a tough moment is happening, a lot of people will send messages um, just being so grateful that they're being seen through their tough moment. And that even if you know, in that tough moment could be happening like once a week or every two days, because that's that's life, right? Like we're constantly traversing the emotional spectrum, like just moving from joy to anxiety to jealousy or you know happiness, selflessness, um, we're con- constantly bouncing around, and that's normal. that's life. But I think that's always kind of been um, surprising is this sense of being seen that people really deeply, appreciate. And I think also the other thing that kind of stands out is that we're not so different from each other. Like similarly, like, right. Then not only are we traveling through that same emotional spectrum, but we all have this ups and downs by the way the week has been kind of designed by the capitalist world where like Mondays, we are excited. We're ready to, to try to build new patterns. We're ready to take on the week. Whereas like Wednesday generally people may feel like a little kind of beat down by the week um, because things have already happened that have not gone the way we wanted them to to go. And then when you get closer to Friday, people are thinking about their loved ones or friends that they want to see or wish they could see if they weren't so busy and finding those commonalities that like, yes, we each have our own individual emotional history, but we're like going through pretty similar things, you know, in our minds, like the cravings are similar. The difficulties are similar.
0: It's one of the most powerful things that we've ever had said on the show, what you just said a minute ago about people feeling seen because you are creating space for us to have a human experience and why that is just so punctuated with exclamation points and people are reflecting to you how much they appreciate that you're seeing that. And I say it's one of the most powerful things because there is an assumption in the world at large, the world that we see, the world that people let us see of their own life, that life is supposed to be camera ready and and worthy (laughs) of an Instagram post. And and if it's not, something's wrong. And I think Mm -hmm. that is why people tend to, identify with, Oh my God, what does that mean about me? And do I, you know, is something broken? And it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. What you just said and the way you said it is, Oh, cause that's the way it is. We traverse, you know, all these different emotions, mm-hmm. but how many people, <laughs> whether you just bump into them, at the grocery store or you're following them on Facebook, how many people are letting you in to their actual life and how many people are very s- selective and then therefore creating a culture where it looks as though one thing is real and everything else is actually very problematic and dangerous and you're alone in it. Mm -hmm. And you're Mm -hmm. saying, Oh no, 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 no. This is actually the way it is for everybody.
1: Yeah. I think that um, hopefully building a new culture where we get to end the performance is like key, you know, and I I see a lot of, you know, not just some, in the stuff that I'm putting out, but there's more of that in like my fellow Instagram writers who are just like pointing out the reality of life, you know, because it, it's hard. Like it's hard to be able to maneuver the ups and downs of life and to be able to even accept the fact that there are ups and downs, which sucks because society has told us the opposite where a successful life is just up and up and up and up and up. But that's just not true. It's it's not not realistic at all. But I think it's an exciting time where where I feel like the culture is getting shifted so that there's more space for not just trauma and the intensities of deep trauma, but just like not feeling good, right? Like it doesn't always have to be like a super serious situation where we have to call our community and our friends for support. It can just be like, okay, I don't feel that great today. And that's fine.
0: It's really beautiful. And you are doing such a service. You are doing that. What you just set out to do, you're doing it and it's powerful. Mm. And Um, There are a few other people, and I say only a few, because in the sea of what is created content-wise, it is just a few. But um, there are a few people courageously doing that. It makes me think of that movie. There's, again, only a few movies that have endings like that, but there's that movie Once from, like, when was it, 15 years ago? Glenn Hansard wrote the music, and it's about these, you know, two musicians and i mean this movie is 15 years old you guys so spoiler alert but they don't <laughs> they don't get together at the end right they mm, they have to mm-hmm. go back to their complex lives yeah and i love the ending because so many of our days end like that so mm-hmm, many of our mm-hmm. days end with having to hold something that isn't wrapped up in a bow and how beautiful it is that we as people can uh, make space to grieve and to just live this incredible human experience, which is, it's so painful and so enjoyable at the same time.
1: Uh, What you're saying is making me really think about how, you know how we're constantly evaluating things. We're constantly being like, this is good. This is bad. But there's so much gray space that we're constantly trying to fight by giving it a valuation and being like, you know, okay, this is great. This is successful. But in reality, like even, you know, some pieces that I create, it's like, I'll, I'll write things. And the point of everything that I write is hopefully people find it useful. But then there are times where like, you know, I can't quite tell, like, is this really connecting with people? Is it not? And recently what I've decided is like, okay, without letting the numbers tell me if it's good or not, right? Because everything has metrics, just let it be what it is if it's good people will just you know it'll just go out and do its thing if it's not good that's fine it's totally whatever it's one post one post doesn't make or break you you know obviously over a long period of time yeah you want to have material that connects with people and that will like you know get you more visibility and all that good stuff but my recent work personally and just like creating things has been like just let it go dude just like put out things that connect wow. with you that you feel is important and let's not decide Within ten minutes, within an hour, if this has been successful or not, because you have no idea, like let it ride out, let it do its thing, and even if at at the end and you look back on the end of the week and you're like, "Oh right, that post didn't quite connect with people to be able to accept that without stress and instead with curiosity, which is like, okay, if it didn't, but I still think the topic is important. How can I switch up the verbiage, the words so that you know this theme that feels important to me. I can put it out there again in a different way and see, um, you know, how it can become a solid art that people can enjoy.
0: Yeah, that's I'm good for you. I mean, that takes. A I'm, lot I mean, of- I,
1: I'm trying though. <laughs> I do not have yeah, it down yet, but yeah,
0: it takes a lot of courage for all of us, but especially someone who's had the level of success that you've had. I, I just had Malcolm Gladwell on for a second time, and I said to him, "I asked you this before. I'm going to ask you again." when you have a string of new york times best selling books do you come up against the pressure of feeling like if this isn't a new york times bestseller then in some way it's a failure and it's just interesting to hear because at your level where where things have just been so acknowledged and people are very clearly you know standing up in their seats for it I think it can be even harder to get out of that loop of like, oh no, now it has to do as well. It has to perform. And I love how you said before, end the performance. If we could end the performance. And you're you're showing your audience that I want to ask you about your audience. I want to ask you now about this as it sure. is a platform, because so many people listening to this show want to um, make an impact and want to be more fulfilled. And I'm curious for you, when did you decide like, hmm, I am going to put this out there for the public and, and how did it go initially? Like, what was the journey? <laughs> what, what, what do you think made it sort of take off and become this like very viral, potent community that you have now?
1: The, the primary thing is consistency, right? Um, because you can be like a great artist, but if you're not trying over and over again, then it just won't get out there. Because one thing that I noticed, like there were so many amazing writers in 2016 and 2017, people that I looked up to that just stopped. And if they had kept going, they would have larger audiences than I would have right now. And that kind of set a lot of people apart is like, are you willing, do you have the stamina to just keep going, even if You create a bunch of different piece, you know, do different works that are just, they're okay, but they're not that great because a lot of people want that sort of like meteoric rise to stardom, but that is just not going to happen. That's just not how it works. It's normally success is a slow build. And that's totally what I found in my own work. It's just like, let me write another piece. Let me like, you know, keep connecting with myself and try to process what I'm learning through writing but it's been quite the journey kind of just um, being able to maintain my stamina so that I can keep going and I think a lot of that is due to meditating right like once I started meditating I just I, I didn't stop going to retreats I started meditating in my daily life and that's helped me just kind of stay fresh because I'm I feel like I'm constantly learning through meditating I'm constantly studying impermanence And that has, it adds so much to my perspective on different parts of life um, for myself. And then hopefully that transmits through the writing that I'm doing. But I feel like it's been um, a mixture of, yeah, consistency and also being willing to try new things, to try new themes, try new formats, like, because you also want to find a mixture of, am I writing things that are actually important to me? And am I also writing things that can connect with an audience? Yeah, and finding the the middle between the two is pretty critical.
0: Those are two really important pieces, one about the consistency and what you said about trying things, but also the piece you just said about your your meditation practice. Yeah. Um because I definitely in my own life feel that as well. I started my meditation journey in 2007. Nice. And I've gone to different teachers along the way, but you can feel it right that the resonance yep. that you have is just there is just more of a potency there and so people tend to forget that and they think that the more you are busy and you use a uh, hashtag no. <laughs> or you you know you d- dm 15 people every hour or whatever the the gimmick is it's like there's something in the actually walking away from it and cultivating your own energetic, right? Really, really like what that looks like and how that translates is so not what our society, what our culture tells you. It's the opposite. It's like, to me, it's very powerful. And you just said it and linked those two together. I mean, how many people do you think who are reading books on success, and habits and goal setting are walking away with the notion that spending time in stillness is going to move the needle. They're not.
1: I'm glad that you're highlighting that because it's funny. So I was having a conversation with a friend who I'm working on a project with. And, you know, just like, besides the project, she just asked me, she was like, how did things become so big for you? Like, how did the audience get so big? How'd you, you know, have um, these two books that are doing well. And honestly, my immediate response to her was I just kept meditating. Like that was it. And and I really trace it all back to that. And don't get me wrong. I do not meditate to be successful. I meditate to liberate myself from craving. And the craving that causes stress, that causes me to create more problems for myself. But in the act of doing that, in the act of relieving myself, from craving tension and stress through meditation, the mind gets more creative, whether you're a writer, whether you're a musician, whether you're a doctor, whether you're an engineer, an architect, doesn't matter what field you're in. When the mind is less burdened, it can see more, it can see more perspectives and that helps, you know, and and it's interesting because I see it play out amongst all of my friends who meditate seriously because they all have such different jobs but they go in, they do their 10 days, they come out and they're like, whoa, you know, they're just like crushing it at work in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, I hope people don't take it the wrong way where it's like, don't like meditate to be successful, meditate to build your peace, meditate to build your freedom. And from that, once you get that inner situation figured out, more goodness will be able to flow outward that emerges from within you.
0: I mean, this, what you just said should be something that's repeated and everyone should go back and listen to the last 40 seconds about every day for the next year and just see how different your year is. You said that. So, I mean, you are a poet. That was poetry. It was so perfect and I want to talk a little bit more about it because there are people listening to us talk right now who, who have had that experience yeah, and they know where that lives in their alignment, in their body. They've memorized that feeling. And then there are some people listening to us talk and it's like, we're talking about chocolate and they just haven't (laughs) had chocolate. So they're like oh, it sounds interesting. Like it sounds delicious, but I don't really know, right? What that feels like when it sits on your tongue, what it feels like when you chew it. I don't really get what you're saying. Mm
2: -hmm, And mm -hmm.
0: I was having this conversation the other day with a friend who's about to turn 40. And she said, I really want to go on an ayahuasca journey. And I've never done that, but I have a lot of friends who have. And I said to her, I have nothing against you doing anything that you really want to do as long as you don't hurt yourself or other people. Right. But I said, I wish you would go on a week-long meditation retreat because yeah. I've been doing that. And she's like, No, 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 no. Cause there's something about this drug, and she's explaining to me. And I said, Do you know that you can do yeah. that without a drug? And she looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And she goes, Well, you don't know because you've never done those drugs. And you know, I said, That's true, but I can tell you what you just said you're looking to get. you you can access that. You can access that
2: just yourself (laughs) and
0: yourself. And, and, and then like, and and so can you explain a little bit about your meditation process Mm -hmm. and what you just said, releasing yourself from the craving and the addiction of, 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 of that, right. Of craving, how can you explain a little bit more of the process so we can taste the chocolate more, like go a little bit deeper into what your process looks like and what you're getting beyond and what you're connecting to when you drop in
1: in a meditation. So especially in this style of meditation, right? Um, It originates from the Buddhist teaching. So it's understanding that there is this like underlying dissatisfaction in life where like our minds are in this pattern where not only are we constantly craving for more, but we're always noticing what's missing. We always are you know, feeling a little bit of aversion towards this and that, or a lot of aversion towards this and that, but there's this kind of constant battle that the mind is having with itself and with the external world and with its sensations and, you know, really like being in this survival mode. But when you start tracing the source of that, which is either craving or ignorance, and you start sort of accepting the fact that, okay, that's there, but now let me connect with what's true. And one of the biggest truths, like what we've been mentioning through this conversation is impermanence and the style of meditating that I do, like, it's really just a big study of impermanence that's happening within the framework of the body. Um, You know, you're just observing what's happening, what's there. And you learn more and more about how impermanence is just happening at every level, at the atomic level, the mental level, the physical level, you know, the macro galactic level, it's happening everywhere constantly. And through this appreciation of impermanence, a lot of purification happens in the mind. Like one thing that we don't often realize is that with every reaction that happens in the mind, we're actually accumulating it in the subconscious. So that let's say you're reacting with anger, then your pattern of anger is gonna get stronger. You're reacting with sadness, your pattern of sadness just gets stronger and stronger so that your perception is codifying all of this And whenever a similar situation appears, it just reacts like, oh, right, I understand the situation. This is one where I react with sadness. And now more sadness comes out. So when you start observing yourself um, within the framework of the body, you are allowing for this unbinding process to occur where all of these knotted up habit patterns that you've created throughout the entirety of your life, they actually pretty powerfully just start kind of unloading, releasing, burning away rather quietly. And um, what you end up getting is a mind that is no longer as heavy. You come out of the 10 days and your mind just feels lighter, right? Like there, you may still have the same problems, right? The same situation or whatever, you know, whatever challenges that you have in your life, but they just don't trigger you as much. They don't stress you out as much. And you actually, when you start looking at these old problems, because your mind has this new access to peace, this new access to creativity, you start looking at the situation in a new way, right? There's there's more answers available than there were before. And I think this is one, something I, I used to tell um, friends of mine that I would laugh when I would go to retreats because I would enter a retreat and I would have like all these problems that were on, the, uh, on my mind and I'd come out and I just have all these answers as to like, okay, this is how I'm gonna deal with this. This is how I'm gonna deal with that. And that, you know, continues to happen where it's like, we create these narratives, these challenges in our minds, challenges that may very well be real, but sometimes we often make them harder than they actually need to be. And it's quite powerful, you know, like the technique specifically, this Vipassana technique is is for the purification of the mind and and for your ultimate liberation.
0: Yeah, it's really so key, isn't it? And people don't really get what you just said, that the more you practice sadness, you're going to get better at it. Yeah. yeah. The more you practice worry, you're going to get better at it. The more you mm-hmm. practice anger, right? And it literally, we can see it on an fMRI too. We can see yep. the brain um, developing more of these like branches in these mm-hmm. neuro pathways. And then we can also learn to prune these away, right? And it oh, is, yeah. Yeah. It's, un- it's unbelievable what we can do to free ourselves. And I want to talk you have these two beautiful books, Inward and Clarity and Connection. One of the things you talk about in Inward, which you it's, it's a, one of the themes of your work is self-love and yeah. unconditional love. And it's interesting. I want to hear what you have to say about it. And just to comment on what you said before, like, I think while there's so much impermanence, like you said, mm-hmm. the thing that, it, that is forever and ever and always is love. You know, when somebody passes, it's what you're left with you can feel the love that this person like left behind. Right. And yet it's such an enigma, like unconditional love, accessing it, Mm -hmm. finding it for ourselves, knowing how to even receive it. So what is the resistance do you think about with that? And how can we open our palms to experience that?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting. There's so many different ways to um, even start conceiving of that subject because everybody has their own emotional history. So like some people will struggle with receiving, other people will struggle with giving. And um, there's just all these different ways where, where our patterns can accumulate so that they can make our journey into self-love quite difficult. But wherever it is that you're starting, I really like to just define self-love as doing what you need to do to heal yourself, and I do that to hopefully kind of set self love aside. From you know, it's not just about like buying yourself things. It's not just about like giving yourself whatever you want. Like self love, I think real self love is doing that hard work so that you can totally accept yourself. You can totally accept what's happened to you, your your in a, your whole history, and that acceptance is going to allow a transformation that not only helps you become a better version of yourself, but will actually start opening the door to unconditional love for yourself and all beings. So I see that relationship of self-love and unconditional love. There's really a bridge between the two that starts with just you and where you're at and helps you evolve into just having a greater capacity for love for everyone.
0: And that's so beautiful because the number one thing that I see in my audience is this feeling of, you know, there's such a lack of, of love for ourselves. And it's, it's the thing that comes up, you know, I would start my own podcast, but I don't think it's good enough or that. (sighs) I'm that interesting. Or, you know, I would, you know, maybe take the risk and, and say this thing to this person, but then they might leave. And so Mm, I won't, mm -hmm. you know, this, just this feeling of being rejected. So rejecting ourselves ahead of time, because there is just like this inherent unworthiness of, of love and, love feels like it has to be earned, which then that's really not love. That's more like a business deal. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's fascinating just how fast people are just constantly running and juggling and trying to do all of the things and just what a waste of energy it can be sometimes.
1: Yeah, I I wanted to add to the point that you just said that's so important. Like someone deciding not to do something or a project or starting a connection with someone because it might end now can you imagine if we lived our lives according to that that we won't do anything because we will only do things that last that literally will sort of neutralize everyone right there no one will be able to do anything Mm -hmm. and i think that's why digging deep into this understanding of impermanence like you know, everything will eventually end. Everything like has its high moments, it's low moments. So you shouldn't stop yourself from doing something great just because one day it'll be over. Like if you think about, you know, whether it's like great writers or great athletes, like everyone has their time, right? They're like, especially people who are really successful, like they have their time period in the limelight. They have their time period of success but then eventually it fades, right? You're not going to be like a world-class athlete or a world-class creator the entirety of your life. That's just not how it works. But you can have a moment where you do deeply impact people with your work, whether it's a small amount of people or a large amount of people. And that's something that I've been kind of training my mind, you know, like, okay, today I have a very large audience, but will it always be like that? No, I don't think so. I see how There is this trend, you know, you, you can do well for a while and then it kind of peters off and, you know, maybe it'll last and it'll stay at to some degree, but then for a lot of people, it just totally fades away. So I always try to create for this moment of where I'm at right now. And I am actively working on not attaching myself to like, okay, I'm always going to be a writer or I'm always going to write a New York times bestseller. None of that stuff, you know, like, because eventually, like, if I think in that way, where I'm deeply attached about how my work is going to play out, then I'm just setting up my setting myself up for tons of present and future stress. So let me just kind of live with what's happening in this moment, not expect it to last forever. And we'll see how far it goes. Like one thing that I like saying all the time is something that my Vipassana teacher says is like, let's see how long it lasts. Right. You don't know how long it's going to last, but in the act of just seeing how long it lasts, you understand, this isn't going to last forever. But I think it's um, thinking like that is helping me not only deal with what's happening a little more peacefully, but just like, I think it's giving me more freedom to create too.
0: It's so liberating to just call that out like you just did. And, and almost to say,
1: I'm just here for a little while, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Or whatever the fear is, you know, how long it's going to last. Like, let's say we said to everyone listening right now who was struggling with some worry or some concern that someone won't like it or that the success will go away. How about we say to that person, a hundred percent, it will. Like, how about if we said to that person right now, people already don't like you. People won't like it. (laughs) Guaranteed. It won't last. It won't last. Guaranteed. This will happen. You're right. That person will get mad. You're right. It will fall on your face. You're right. The critic. And then you (laughs) say it, right. And then you have this incredible liberation Mm -hmm. because all of those things are going to happen. They're Mm -hmm. not going to last. They won't like it. All right. That's all going to exist and you'll survive it and you'll be fine. And it's not even what it's about. Like yep. you doing it or not doing it can't, it can't be that you came in the world only to speak your truth. If it lasted only mm-hmm. to love someone, if they loved you back every single day of the rest of your, like, no, that's not what it's about. No, it's no. not the goal. Like what? And when you start to think of it like that, you're like, oh yeah, that's true. So I can unhook myself from the need yeah. for those things because they're irrelevant.
1: Yeah. I love that you said that you're cracking me up because like people already (laughs) don't like you, but are you going to, are you going to stop that from helping people who potentially might get so much from whatever it is that you're planning on creating?
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Like 100% that is already true that there are people who are like you know Diego
2: mm-mm, mm-mm, not it's, my... just, it's
1: just not my
0: thing and yeah, that's you know, fine you know I think Kathy that's Heller great. she's got freckles <laughs> and she she's so bouncy and I don't know yeah. if I agree with her and you mm-hmm, know he mm-hmm. you know like it's like great <laughs> I'm so glad because yeah. then it's you're, you're you're done you're done trying to grasp for it it already happened yeah. and you're, yeah. you're you're surviving it right now you're surviving totally, it right now
1: totally. And you you can't give people's like, their perception of you, you cannot give it that much weight because you have to understand that everyone's perception, you included, is totally dependent on your emotional history and your present moment actions. So understand that everything that you're perceiving is through this giant filter of whatever's happened to you in your past and what you're feeling right now in this moment. So that means like, is objective, like objective perception happening? Absolutely not. It takes such deep, intentional, masterful training to observe something objectively.
0: 100%.
1: And most of us are not there. Like 99.999% are not there. So can you give that much weight to someone's perception? No.
0: Right. And I love that so much because people have, like you said, There's so much momentum for whatever the story is they tell themselves. Mm -hmm. And then you just are evidence for what they've decided they believe or they don't believe. So some people are going to look at you and go, they're going to point you out to their cousin and say, I told you everyone born in Ecuador is amazing and poetic. See, there's the evidence (laughs) of it. Right. And someone else is going to turn and say something like completely different. You know, Mm -hmm. this is the evidence that anyone who does Vipassana is boring or whatever they're going to say. And same thing with me. My friend Susie says, the problem isn't that people don't like you or or have a a negative feeling. The problem is you thinking that they shouldn't because it has nothing to do with anything. And I say to my audience, like, you don't like people,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right? Mm -hmm. Do you like everybody? Do you like every kind of food? Do you like every language? Do you love every music that's been, uh, because I don't. There's no, music that I right. just don't like. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But, like, we're all, but we're allowed to feel this way, but no one is allowed to have their feelings.
2: What's that about?
0: <laughs> you don't like everybody, you know?
1: It's so, it's so good. And you know, one thing I wanted to add to that too is one thing I'm noticing is that people who have high, high degrees of self-love, people who have been working on cultivating that aspect of those, themselves where they're deeply accepting every part of themselves, they actually are going to be much more capable of being like, you know, just recognizing, okay, that's something that I don't like without hating it without being like dropping vitriol and just being super antagonistic towards it. Right. And I think that's like a beautiful thing to cultivate because everybody has preferences and that's totally fine. So you can listen to a song, come across a writer and be like, Oh yeah, that's just not for me. Great. But that is a sign of progress where you're like, that's not for me. And I don't need to even spend time hating it.
0: I love it. I love talking to you. It's so good. Um, I was going to ask you actually, just cause I love for people to feel represented by all different kinds of cultures. And sure. you are, you were born in Ecuador. And I was just going to mm-hmm. ask you because I've never been to Ecuador. So like in that culture, mm-hmm. is this well-received? Like, is this something that you can now look back and go, Oh, you know, actually in the sort of fabric of how I was, you know, raised I can see now why I took to this or is it actually more of a sort of a, a left, a hard left turn from the way you, your family system was thinking about life and, and all yeah, that.
1: Yeah, definitely the hard left turn. I think, um, like my people, like my, um, my country is receiving it well, like the Ecuadorians that I come across are just so happy to be represented in some field or another. Cause there's, mm-hmm. there's a few of us. There's not that many Ecuadorians in the world. Mm -hmm. But I think I did kind of just break away from the typical mold because I myself I don't even know that many Ecuadorian writers myself, you know, or, or you know, historical writers, people who've um, come from before. So, you know, even when I started meditating, because I I grew up, you know, Roman Catholic, um, it was all rather new. But what was most important to my parents and like I grew up like super poor, like it was hard growing up um, in the United States my family, we were like really stuck in a poverty trap basically up until my brother and I became older and got jobs. So that was, you know, incredibly difficult to go through. And I actually connect a lot of my personal trauma to just being poor in America because it was so hard. Hmm. But when my mom and dad started seeing that I was going to meditation courses they were never resistant because they could see that something good was happening. They could see that my behaviors were changing. I was mm-hmm. becoming much more gentle with my words, much more loving towards them, much more giving. And they were just like, whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. We don't yeah, get it. But whatever just keep you're doing, going. it's working. <laughs> yeah. Don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, they know so much more about it and are very open to it. So it's been good. You know, them just, uh, I think life has been hard, for uh, me and my family in a lot of different ways but I think probably one of my like most fortunate things is is my parents because like yes they like you know weren't able to make a lot of money for our family but they had really good morals and I think that um helped me a lot
0: you know I'm just gonna add this because my journey at one point took me to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and I'm Jewish and mm-hmm. I I like you started in more of a Buddhist tradition, like in college, my first big awakening was meditation through more of a Buddhist practice. And then I wound up in, in Jerusalem. And I want I I wanted to know why I felt so strongly in this land. Like, what was it about it that was like, visceral like i was like Mm -hmm. crying all the time i was like something was going on and i met a rabbi who was who had been buddhist who had come back to his roots and i learned that the first time the word for the sabbath is used in the old testament is Mm -hmm. when abraham is is actually meditating and the same word they use for the sabbath which is shabbat it's the hebrew word for you know Sabbath, right? And obviously Jesus, this is like his tradition. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. just so you know, and you might already know all of this, but the beginning and really the core, the essence of that tradition was seeped in meditation. Mm. And so the word for the Sabbath, the first time it's ever used is where Abraham is sitting and meditating at the foot of the tent in the heat of the day. And these three angels appear. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And he taught me that we know the meaning of a word from the first time we see it used in the, in the biblical sense. And so he said, the idea for a Sabbath was supposed to be, and what it used to be was a 24 hour meditation, Mm -hmm. a resting, a Mm -hmm. fully, but not resting, meaning the absence of doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Truly sitting in meditation, convening Mm -hmm. with that oneness, right. That alignment. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the way, that's probably hard for people to do So we replaced it with who knows what, all all of the things, but that's the tradition of thousands of years, you know, so I would, I would assume that Jesus was a person who sat in meditation many, 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 many hours of the day.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's interesting. It's, um, I think one thing that my, especially like my, my mom is a huge, huge fan of Jesus Christ, like one of of the biggest fans of of Jesus and, um,
2: she's the fan of the. (laughs) (laughs) you say it like
0: it's unique and there's like you know he's got a few fans he's got a few he did did well for himself yeah he made a mark um
1: (laughs) but one thing that she really so like um I like you know I I go away to 20 30 day meditation courses and uh, and and I'll be and I'll be like gone you know um, I'm gonna do a 45 day one in January, this will be my first time doing forty five days.
0: I can't. The most I can do is seven. I don't know. How.
1: <laughs> it gets even better as you He's keep, like, going. keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. Um, but my mom really got it because of that story where like Jesus spends forty days in the desert alone, like totally facing himself and like everything else, right? Grand story. But she sees like that value and that power of solitude to ignite evolution.
0: I mean, it's like Moses on the mountain. It's Yeah. you know, I wrote my senior paper about, I was a religion major. So I wrote it about Siddhartha and Moses. Like, and they both grew up in a palace. Yeah, yeah. And they both left Mm -hmm. to go into the wilderness. And they both, you know, Moses was a shepherd and Mm -hmm. and the Buddha was a ascetic person. Mm -hmm. And then they both became leaders, but from the quiet from the stillness, from leaving the material world. So what I'm saying is that we forget that the basis of the the world's greatest philosophies and religions all point to the same thing, which is get quiet,
1: Yep.
0: get yourself some quiet (laughs) and and God appears, right? Mm -hmm, Whatever mm -hmm. that oneness, whatever that Mm -hmm. intrinsic Mm consciousness, that's the place that's yeah, the place, right? That's so powerful. It's powerful. And it's so good to talk to you. Tell us where everybody can find you and follow you.
1: Sure. Um, now, now to the mundane things. Yeah, the mundane. <laughs> We're like talking about all these high things. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could check out my two books. I wrote one called Inward and I wrote a second one, uh, Clarity and Connection. So you can find those wherever bookstores, you know, whatever bookstore you have around you. And I'm also on Instagram at Y-U-N-G underscore P-U-E-B-L-O, Young Pueblo. And I also have a newsletter and I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well.
2: You're
0: amazing. I want to have you back for like 10 more conversations. Everyone go follow him right now. Everyone's already following him. (laughs) It's like one of the biggest platforms. And it's so beautiful to see such a big platform when something is this good and beautiful. So go follow. And then if you like this episode, uh, post and tag. You can tag both of us so that I can repost some of them. Thank you so much for being here. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, thank you too. And I hope we do get to talk again because this was fantastic.
0: Isn't he awesome? I could have talked to him for hours more. All right, here are the takeaways. Number one, be with the emotion without feeding the fire. Don't become it. Watch and observe what you're feeling. Number two, peace itself is built on the embrace of impermanence. There's never been a storm that lasts forever. This one won't either. Number three, we're constantly traversing the emotional spectrum. That's normal. That's life. Number four, don't let the metrics tell you what's good or bad. Just let it be what it is. Number five, let go of the outcome. Just put things out there that connect you with what feels important and let it ride out and do its thing. Number six, be consistent. It takes stamina to keep going. Success is not a meteoric rise. Write another piece, keep connecting with yourself and reflect on what you're learning in the process. Number seven, don't meditate to be successful. Meditate to build your peace and your freedom so more goodness that emerges from within you can flow outward. And number eight, there's already people who don't like you. Don't let that stop you from helping those who can get so much from whatever you're creating. All right, now I want to give a shout out to one of our alumni, Katrina. And Katrina said, last month I was spotlighted on Kathy's call. It was just when I needed to step up and get into my assignment. I've already held a course, getting it together, and have offered some webinars that focus on the importance of self-care for women. You can't pour from an empty cup, so if you put yourself first, you can show up well for others. She told me that there's no reason I can't charge $500 to work with women and do the work I do, and I believed her. I hung on every word, and it was exactly what I needed to hear. Y'all, guess who just sold one-on-one coaching for $4.97? I've got the skills and the knowledge and absolutely pour into the women I work with, and it is totally worth $4.97. Thanks to all of you for holding the space for me. I'm forever grateful. Katrina, that is so incredible. This is like music to my ears. I'm so proud of you for summoning those 20 seconds of courage to step up and put that price out there. I knew that you had it in you. This is so exciting. I can't wait to hear how this evolves and grows, so please keep me posted. Go give Katrina some love. Her website is katrinamcmurdy.com and McMurdy is spelled M-C-M-U-R-T-R-Y, katrinamcmurdy.com. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening. I know that your time is so valuable and a lot of you are traveling right now and you have so much on your plate and it just means so much that you're here. Next week, we're going to be doing two super inspiring shows, our annual roundup of the favorite moments from this year. So Stay tuned. There's a lot of good ones. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so that you don't miss out. And if you want to get in on this giveaway, go to kathyheller.com slash giveaway. It's so easy to enter. All you have to do is subscribe to the podcast and then go to your Instagram stories and share a piece of content that I've shared could be an Instagram video that I did. Just share it in your stories and you'll be entered to win an MZ Wallace backpack and some other goodies. You can go to kathyheller.com slash giveaway to find out the details and you'll be helping the show so, so much by spreading the word so other people can hopefully be inspired as well. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have an amazing weekend. Merry Christmas. And I'll talk to you
2: on Monday. But the loves for the happy holiday.